welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. It's been said that families are like fudge, mostly sweet with lots of nuts. If you feel like your family tree resembles that statement, then no worries. All of them do. Our families are no doubt a gift, but they're imperfect because we as humans are imperfect. Decisions we make today can affect our kids tomorrow, just like the decisions our parents made are still affecting us today. So how do we not repeat the mistakes and sins of our family's past? More than that, how do we cultivate an atmosphere of love for all of our family right now? We explore those questions and more in our series, Family Matters. Let's dive in and continue the upward journey. Ain't that awesome? Oh, we had fun. We're professionals. You know how you get that many balloons in a room? You have to take the ceiling out. And fill it up like a box. That was fun. <laughs> two numbers you need to know, 1,440. Just keep those two numbers in mind. 1,400 balloons and 40 is another number associated with that day. Give Pastor Greg a big hand of appreciation. Love him, love him, love him. Welcome to the conclusion of our Family Matters series. Have you enjoyed Family Matters? Please clap right now. We've had fun with this series. We've laughed a little bit about it. We have this very lighthearted opening, you know, that kind of sounds fun. And then it's like the Word of God just sticks a knife in us and starts doing surgery inside of us on some things that are pretty important. And we've kind of enjoyed that contrast. It's been fun uh, to work through these uh, difficult topics. It's been challenging to work through them. And thank you for all your feedback. So many of you have given us feedback about how uh, God's Word has touched you over the last four weeks and made a difference in your family, and I'm so thankful for that. Thank you so much. We've been working with this poor, dysfunctional family. Man, these people are messed up, aren't they? These people are messed up. How many are glad this morning that God still works in and through messed up people that have some struggles? I wouldn't be here today if God didn't have mercy and continue to work through people that have some struggles. We've looked at uh, Abram and his nephew Lot, and we've seen how to draw appropriate boundaries with family members when they're trying to pull us out of God's destiny for our lives. We've looked at Abraham and his son Isaac, and we talked about breaking patterns of generational sin. I had a man reach out to me last week, and he said, I've gone into my workplace, I've gone everywhere, and I've taken everything out that has anything to do with my addiction of the past, and I also had a conversation with my daughter because that addictive behavior is going to break in our family with me and will not go on to her. And I just love that so much. We've looked at Isaac and Rebecca and their twin boys, Esau and Jacob, who were fighting from the womb. And we've learned to raise our children as individuals and not try to turn them into each other. Today, we're going to look at some unfinished business between Jacob and his brother Esau. There was a huge family mess going on. And if you remember at the end of last week, we talked about a great big old family scene. Have any of you guys ever just had a family scene? Can I see your hands? It'll make me feel better if you've just had a family scene before. When uh, it kind of spilled out into public and other people started to notice, anybody still with me this morning? Can I see those hands? And you got embarrassed about it and people started wondering if you were okay. 
Uh, I've had a few family scenes in my life. People get this picture, I guess, sometimes of the pastor having this wonderful, tranquil little family. And it's kind of like, uh, if you remember that far back, leave it to Beaver, when uh, dad came to breakfast in a tie and everything was so nice and everybody was so polite. No, my family's had some scenes too. Most of them have been my own fault. You seem to accept that pretty readily. <laughs> I saw zero surprise in anybody's eyes. You're just like, yep, I believe that. I believe that. Thank you so much. I, I just feel bolstered by your confidence in me this morning. Already today, once uh, I tell this story, I've told it for years now, uh, Lex and I were at the YMCA. Our children were in swimming lessons. Any of you remember those days? We were at the Hendersonville YMCA, and if you know where that is, that's going to help you with this story just a little bit. It's over off, I believe, off of Fifth Avenue, over behind Party Hospital, uh, kind of a ways from here. And so she said something, and now I don't even remember what she said, but it just ticked me off, and I got mad. And I'm this way. Uh, this is my fleshly nature. I, I'm becoming more like Jesus every day. But in my fleshly nature, I have a tendency that if you make me mad, I want to punish you with silence. Is there anybody else in the building like that? It's like, you tick me off, I go quiet, and I'm going to show you, I'm just not going to talk to you anymore. Anybody? Four of us are, are admitting it this morning. I'm just going to show you. I had a tendency early in marriage that if I'd get mad, I'd just walk away. I mean, wherever I was, just walk away. So she said something to me at the YMCA, and I told her, I just gave her the keys. I said, you take the kids, you drive home, I'm walking home. Home was over at that time, over near GE. I'm going to show her. I'm going to walk six miles in the dark. Have you ever started doing something and realized about 10 minutes in, it felt good initially, but this is stupid. <laughs> I marched off, and for about the first 15 minutes, I was right. I'm like, I'm showing her. Then it got dark, and it's winter. Dogs were chasing me. <laughs> and to add insult to injury... I saw her go by. <laughs> and I know she saw me. She just went on home. I still had a ways to go. I'm in the dark, cold, dogs chasing after me. She's at home waiting on me to walk home. And I realized I'm stupid. <laughs> I'm not showing anybody. I'm certainly not helping my marriage. We had a family scene. That is the last time, you'll be glad to know, and that's been years ago, the last time I ever did that because even stubborn people learn when you're out in the dark, in the cold, and get chased by dogs, you learn not to do it again. Family scenes. When we left Esau and Jacob last week, they were in the midst of a family scene like this. Uh, if you missed that, let me just uh, set the stage for you. Their father, Isaac, had gotten old and blind, and he wanted to bless his oldest son, Esau, and speak a blessing over him. So he told him, I'm going to bless you. Go out and go hunting and bring some game in and fix me a nice dinner, and I'm going to pray blessing over you. Uh, the twins' mother, Rebecca, heard this, and she told her favorite son, Jacob, the younger, 
She said, uh, your father's about to bless Esau, so I'm going to help you deceive him. So you go out, and we're going to dress you up like Esau, and we're going to fool your father into giving you the blessing. And that's what happened. Jacob fooled his father. His father gave him the blessing that he was intending to give to his older brother. Esau comes back and hears about it, and he vows that he's going to kill his younger brother. And he meant it. He was an angry man who was going to kill his younger brother. So the mother heard this. She got with her son Jacob and she said, Listen, son, Esau is very angry. So you run away to my brother's house. Go to your uncle's house and hide out there until your brother calms down. And when he calms down, I'll send word and you can come home. You know, the sad thing about it is you often underestimate what fits of temper can do to your life and how long-term the damage can be. And that's what happened here. This deception and this temper went on far longer. She said, I'll call you when he calms down. Twenty years went by, and she never called. In fact, she died before she could see her son Jacob again. Jacob runs away to his uncle's house. He's waiting for word. On the way there, Jacob has this incredible experience with God where he sees the the ladder. People call him Jacob's ladder. Somebody said that's the original stairway to heaven right there. He sees angels ascending and descending on this ladder. He commits his life to God. He continues on to his uncle's house. While there, he falls in love with his uncle's daughter, his younger daughter, Rachel, and wants to marry her. And he works for a long time in order to marry the younger daughter. They have the wedding celebration, and guess what? Jacob wakes up in the morning, and he's married to the older daughter. Did I mention this family was dysfunctional? Did I mention they had trouble with lying? Eventually, he winds up marrying Rachel, too. So he goes to his uncle's house marries two of his daughters. God blessed him in an incredible way. He started having children. He had many children. He had a lot of cattle, which equaled wealth in the day. He grew to be incredibly wealthy and successful in every possible way over these 20 years. But back in his mind and in his heart, something was lurking. Esau. He kept thinking about what he'd done to his brother, He kept thinking about the fact that his older brother was out there still wanting to kill him. He never thought thought it would go on this long, but all the time he's building wealth and success. And there's this thing lurking in his life out of his past that he keeps wondering. You know he's human. If somebody threatened to kill you, how often would you think about, wonder if they're around the next corner? I know some Christians and some people who've gone on to live very successful lives, and yet somehow in their past, there's something lurking that they keep thinking about. They keep turning over and over again. Maybe it's a past failure. Maybe it's a relationship that went bad. Maybe it's something you've done. Maybe it's someone that you broke ties with and their name is still in your mind, and you keep thinking, what about that one? What about that one? What about this? Jacob, in all his success, could not get away from Esau. Finally, the time comes when he gets so wealthy that he can no longer live with his uncle. They have more cattle than than the land can contain, and, and they make the wise decision to separate. So Jacob goes out from his uncle's tribe and his uncle's home, and Jacob finally takes all his children, his wives, and his cattle and moves on. But guess what is standing in his way? 
when he left his uncle Laban's house, there's another nation that's a neighboring nation. And that nation is called Edom. The word Edom means red. Anybody remember the red hairy guy? If you didn't listen to last week's message, you're like, what is he talking about? Go back and listen. That's Esau's name. Because Edom is the nation that Esau founded. So Jacob literally is between a rock and a hard place. He's leaving the safety and protection of his uncle, and he's moving in the direction of his brother who has vowed to kill him, his now very powerful brother who is the head of a nation. I want you to understand this. In order to embrace his future, Jacob had to face his past. In order to embrace the future that God had called him to, to build the great nation of Israel, he had to face up to something he'd done in his past and put it to rest forever. There are many times in our lives when we grow successful, when God is wanting to move us to a higher place and a deeper place. Anybody feel like that right now? God's wanting to do something good in your life. He's wanting to do something good in your family. He's wanting to take you to a better place. Anybody? I hope it's more than four of us that feel that right now. I just want you to know God's working in your life and He wants to do great things in your life. But sometimes you have to face up to something that's lurking in your past. Jacob needed to reconcile with Esau, and he did. Now, when we talk about that word reconciliation, can you think of anybody right now that you're not speaking to? Nobody wants to raise their hand. Can you think of anybody in your life right now that you'd just rather not see again? Can you think about anybody that you have regrets in the relationship and the way it ended and there's still something there? Reconciliation is a very powerful word. And I want you to know, reconciliation is a very beautiful thing. And I'll go ahead and give away the ending, is that Jacob and Esau reconciled, they hugged, They wept on each other, and they reconciled to each other. And that is a very wonderful and beautiful thing. But I want you to understand, when I say the word reconciliation, some of you right now are thinking, never in a thousand million, this is good math right here, a thousand million hundred years am I going to reconcile with them? Anybody? I saw a few little... I want you to understand this very clearly. Reconciliation and forgiveness are different things. You've got to forgive. You don't have to reconcile. When someone has hurt you, when someone has abused you, when someone has used you and wounded you and brought all kinds of brokenness in your life, understand this. One of the most powerful things you can do is to look at that and face that and forgive them and release them for what they have done to your life. It doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean you excuse it. It doesn't mean you're saying no problem. It just means you face it, you see it for what it is, and you say, I'm going to let that go, and I'm going to give it to God. And you know, when you do that, when you're able to forgive that person, you are free from their influence in your life. And that is a powerful moment. Some people don't realize this, but this is so true, that as long as you hold unforgiveness in your heart against a person, you're tied to them. As long as you hold hatred and anger in your heart towards a person, they still have influence in your life. 
say, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. It's terrible. I've heard so many stories of people that have been through terrible things, abusive things, things that wounded them deeply. I heard the story of a lady who'd been uh, raped many, many years ago, and she came to a group of ladies who were going through the same thing, the trauma and the aftermath, and what a horrible crime that is. What a violation, what an abuse, and some of you, unfortunately, have been through that in your life. The lady stood up and she said, the most powerful thing I did was forgive my attacker. One of the ladies came to my group, came up to her afterwards and said, how in the world is that possible? I hate my attacker and I'll hate him till I die. The lady told her, she said this, she said, that, that man stole some moments in my life and I'm not going to let him steal another second of my life. So I forgive and release him. Doesn't mean it's okay. Doesn't mean it's right. You need to forgive. But forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. Just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you want to be best buds with them again. You know, you can forgive somebody that you never see again. Some of you need to forgive some people that are dead. Because you break free from them. But I want you to understand, those of you who, when you hear the word reconciliation, bristle a little bit at that word and say, I don't want that. I want you to understand, reconciliation is beautiful. But I want you to hear this, reconciliation is not always possible. The person may be dead. The person may not want to reconcile with you. You know, you can forgive with them still believing they're right. You can move on even if they don't want to have a relationship with you. Reconciliation is not always possible, but you can still be free. Hear me on this too. Reconciliation is not always proper. If reconciling with that person would mean further abuse in your life, you don't go back. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'll tell you something that bugs me. Can Can I tell you something that bugs me? Can I? You're like, we showed up here, preacher. Just tell us. It bugs me when in the name of the Scripture, preachers sometimes have told women specifically to stay in an abusive relationship where they're being beat up. I've heard story after story after story of women who came and they said, years ago, preacher said I had to go back and he just kept on hitting me. Can I say this unequivocally? If he hits you, get out. The first time. Move out. If you need help with that, we'll help you. But move out. Give him some time to cool down and learn how to be a man. Because if he's hitting you, you didn't marry a man. Oh boy, I'm going to get mad up here. Say something I regret. You get out. You don't let anybody bring you a Bible verse that say, says you need to stay there and get beat up because it's not in there. I know what the Bible said, but it doesn't say you stay there and get beat. You get out. You call law enforcement. I don't want to get him in trouble. He needs to be in trouble. 
You don't go back until there's been a real change. I don't mean an apology, I mean a change. Until there's been some counseling. Until there's been some repentance. Can I get an amen? I'm, I'm, just, I'm mad up here this morning. I want you to get with me. But I am mad at people who get abused. I'm not mad at them. I'm mad at the abuser. I'm mad at the situation. My heart just breaks at people all over Henderson County, women and children, who have to live in a tragic, horrible, abusive situation. I'm so mad I can't even preach on reconciliation anymore. What I do want to say to you is you're being abused. Get out. Get help. There is hope. And I believe I'm throwing a lifeline out to somebody this morning to say there is hope. Get out of that situation. Let me just say this. Abuse almost always gets worse. Second time is worse and the third time is worse. And then bad things happen. I've been there. I've seen it happen. Don't let that happen to you. Amen. Amen. So understand, when reconciliation is possible, it is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Now, here's the good news. Take a deep breath. Let's move on to something happy now. Jacob and Esau were reconciled. And that is a wonderful thing. Sometimes when you get divided with people, everybody's standoffish in their pride and they can't unite Jacob and Esau got together. Jacob took off. He, he stepped out. And we're going to just look at what steps Jacob took in his life. I don't know if he knew about all this looking forward. I don't know that Jacob sat down and strategized all this, but it worked. What happened really quickly that allowed them to reconcile together? Number one, Jacob allowed time to pass. Twenty years had gone by between the offense And between the reconciliation, understand this, reconciliation is not a quick fix. But many, many times people need time to heal. People say, you ever heard it said, time heals all wounds? Boy, that's a lie. Time does not heal all wounds. But all wounds do need time to heal. Sometimes when you're fighting... Husbands and wives fight, right? It's not a discussion. You're fighting. Sometimes when you're fighting, you just need to call a timeout. Tell married couples this all the time when they ask me. Is that when your argument reaches a certain level where it's not being productive anymore, it's time to stop fighting and go cool off? That's me. Once I get emotional, I'm no good anymore. Once my emotions are in it, I'm not about production anymore, not about getting seen things solved. I just want to win. Anybody know how to win over your spouse? Let me ask an honest question this morning. How many know what button to push in your spouse to get them mad? Uh, there. Uh, you're mad. I win. You're mad. I can do that. Jacob understood, and and by necessity, he stayed away from Esau for 20 years. But during that 20 years, God was doing a whole lot of work in Jacob, and God was doing a whole lot of work in Esau to make reconciliation possible. 
So allow the appropriate time to pass. Don't try to rush reconciliation. If you want to be reconciled to a person and they're not ready, give them the time and the space they need. Secondly, Genesis 32.3, it says this. Jacob's headed out. It said he sent messengers ahead to his brother Esau, who was living in the region of Seir in the land of Edom. Jacob started a conversation. He initiated the conversation. Well, I think they ought to go first. You as a Christian, you as a child of God, you as a follower of Jesus Christ, are to be agents of restoration, reconciliation, and healing. Meaning oftentimes it's on us to take the first step. Anybody ever gotten angry and prideful and just said, I'll wait on them to talk? You people are looking so holy this morning and so righteous and so wonderful. Let me just ask you, any of you married couples ever put up pillows between you in bed to say, yeah, I'll show you? Has anybody here ever done that? Two? Anybody? Three? Four? Five? Anybody else? Thursday night, the only person that raised their hand was my wife. If I put a pillow up there, it means stay away. I'm mad about something. You talk first. Jacob started the conversation. Jacob reached out. You know, sometimes all it takes is a text message to open a door. All it takes. Maybe it's somebody you haven't spoken to for years. Maybe you could send them a text and just say, how you doing? And when you do it, reach out to them in a way that they have an out if they don't want to reconcile. Don't do like a lady I saw on Facebook not long ago. She's like, I'm reaching out to my brother so-and-so. We haven't spoken in 20 years. This is on Facebook. And now he has an opportunity to repent and come back. He didn't. Because I kept watching for a couple days to see what would happen. <laughs> How about a text message that says, just wanted to reach out and say hello. Not let's have dinner, because that may be too much for them. Jacob just started a conversation with his brother Esau. He sent a message to him. Then he did the thing that's most difficult for me. Jacob humbled himself. He told them in, the, in verse 4, in the message, he said, Give this message to my master Esau. Humble greetings from your servant Jacob. Humble greetings. And he asked him at the end in verse 5, he said, I'm hoping that you will be friendly to me. He approached him with humility. He wasn't reminding him of what happened. He wasn't trying to explain why he did what he did. Anybody ever gotten one of those apologies? Well, I want you to know I did this and I know it's wrong, but let me explain why I was justified in doing it. That's no apology. That doesn't fix anything. By the way, if you've ever made one of those apologies, stop it! 
Don't go saying, well, I was wrong, but I've got my reasons. Jacob simply came and said, listen, I'm your servant. Whatever I can do to serve you, I'm here to do it. Yeah, he was a great man, yeah. He had tremendous wealth now. He was a man of position and a man even of power, Jacob was. So was Esau. When people with great power start rattling their pride up against each other, bad, bad things happen. We can see that in the world right now, can't we? A little bit of humility instead of saying, I'm going to dominate you. How about what Jacob did? How can I serve you? We all go all the time to community leaders all around the community in Henderson County and our region. We go all the time and just say, hey, Upper Christian Fellowship, we're here. We're meeting new people all the time, and that's what we go with. How can we serve you? Is there a way we can help you do your job better? Not what you can do for us. What can we do for you? Jacob humbled himself before his brother in his message. What else did he do? Well, what he did was, when he sent this message humbly, Esau started moving toward him. That's beautiful. He received a message in humility, and the brother that hated him started moving his direction. Now, Jacob did not know how to take this. said, after delivering the message, verse 6, the messengers returned to Jacob and reported, We met your brother Esau, and he's already on his way to meet you. With an army of 400 men. You think that might have been misinterpreted? Now, how many in the building would say, you get tired of raising your hands, but work with me today. Um, How many believe that Esau probably was justified in bringing 400 guys with him? Because his brother was full of it. His brother was a deceiver. His brother was a cheat. And he probably thought, sure, the old deceiver sent me a message here. I'm going to take 400 guys with me just to make sure I'm okay. So he's moving toward Jacob. Jacob got scared. And then he did what is recorded in the Bible the first time he ever really did this. The first time it's said in Scripture of this, Jacob prayed. Bible scholars said this is the first time it is recorded that Jacob explicitly prayed. Jacob prayed, verse 9, O God of my grandfather Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you told me return to your own land. See, now he's been the God of Abraham. He's been the God of Isaac. But in the trial, he became the God of Jacob. In reconciliation, he became Jacob's own God. He prayed. The most powerful thing in the world you can do is pray. Did you hear me? What can we do now about the Ukraine? We can pray. I'm just going to say this now. I was going to say it at the end, but I'm going to say it now. What's happened in Ukraine is one of the most horrible things we've seen in our lifetimes on planet Earth of a nation invading another nation and Children are are in danger. Innocent people are in danger. People are standing up for their freedom. You know, we've been involved in planting two or three churches in Ukraine. So when you see that, that's not just people on the news. Those are our brothers and sisters who we're standing with together over there right now. 
And I'm so impressed with the heroism of their leaders in standing strong and staying there. They didn't pack an airplane full of money and fly off like some people did. They're right there in that country standing up for freedom. I don't care what side of the political aisle you're on. When one nation attacks another in an unprovoked way, that's something that, that ought to humble us and we ought to go to prayer. And you know what's going to turn that around? God's people praying. Because there's more than a natural war. There's a spiritual war going on over there right now. And when God's people pray, tides can turn. And I'm praying, saying, God, send your angels of protection down there. God, turn back the spiritual forces that are at work trying to destroy and kill people. We're going to be giving an offering to Ukraine. Our, our, our denomination has already sent a lot of money over there pre this situation, getting ready for it to our churches there. And we're going to stand together and we're going to take up an offering here shortly for the Ukraine to support our churches there and to support people there who need our help right now in this terrible time. So I want you to be gearing up for that. Uh, we're working to try to find the appropriate avenues. You know it's hard in the time of war, but we're working with uh, churches there to find appropriate avenues to give. So I want you to be ready for that. Are you ready up or to stand up with people who are hurting around the world? I'm ready to do that. I bet you are. Jacob knew the power of prayer. First thing you do, ought to do, when you need reconciliations, pray for that person. You pray for your family? Pray for your family? Do you pray for people you love? That's good, but no big deal there. Easy to pray for people you love. Do you pray for your enemies? That's the hardest ones. I may have told you the story. Probably have. Bear with me again. I've got some enemies. I've got some people who hate me. I don't hate them back. They hate me. I'd get mad at them, upset about them. One day God told me. I remember it. I'm praying in the Lord. The Holy Spirit said to me inside my heart, write their names on your prayer list. The people you hate, pray for them. Man, that was a hard thing to do. Hard thing to do. But I began to pray for them. I got a list. Be careful. You get on my list. <laughs> but I began to pray. And I even made a section in my prayer list at the very bottom. Is it the bottom of the page? I'm like, God, I got them on here, but they're at the bottom. Had in bold headings over their names, enemies. For real. And I'd pray for family. I'd pray for friends. I'd pray for you guys. I'd pray for leadership. I'd pray for president. I'd pray for all kind of people. Then I get down there. There's those enemies. All right, God, touch them. Real good. Let them have it, God. That was my initial prayers. God, I'm praying that you'll strike them. Still praying, right? He just told me to pray. He didn't tell me what to pray, right? You know as well as I do, that's not what he meant. Eventually, God told me this. God said, I want you to put them at the top of the list. I want you to pray for them first. Okay. God was doing something in here. See, it's hard to hate somebody when you're praying for them. After months and months and months, God said, change the title from enemies to friends. And now they're on my friends list. That's still not easy. Most every day I come across their name and I pray for them. It's done more for me. 
before you try to reach out and reconcile with that person, before you try to do anything, pray and let God get your heart right. Amen. We're moving on. Almost closed. Verse 13, Jacob stayed where he was for the night. Then he selected gifts from his possession to present to his brother Esau. Jacob blessed Esau. He did something tangible to love him and to serve him. Send a gift to this person with no strings attached. Find a gift card to a place they like. Okay? If you're mad at me, Longhorn Steakhouse will work. (laughs) Not to be selfish or anything, but to help you reconcile. (laughs) Sorry. I'm trying to grow up. I really am. Send a gift card. Bless them. And lastly, be ready to let it go. Here's what happened after all this, after giving time, after praying, after humbling himself, after taking the initiative in the conversation, when he finally met him, one of the most beautiful pictures in Scripture, Genesis 33, 4, Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. Jacob and Esau let it go. They didn't rehash it. They didn't talk through all the offense. They let it go. There's a great song that says, let it go. Matt's going to sing that this morning. Uh, (laughs) He probably could. What can I do if I want to reconcile? Quickly run down the list. Have you forgiven the person? Forgiveness comes before reconciliation. Is reconciliation possible? Is reconciliation probable or proper? Have I allowed enough time? And then start praying for that person every day till you have peace. Reach out to them and take the initiative. Humble yourself, bless them, and be ready to let it go. Amen. 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 Would you stand to your feet right now? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the time we've spent with this family walking through their dysfunction and your grace to them. And I just speak reconciliation over this body right now. Reconciliation, Father, in many lives here today and online. There's a relationship out there that needs forgiveness and reconciliation. And God, you want to bring back together people who haven't spoken in a long time. And I speak that over our people for them to embrace the future that's before them. They got to look back and face that thing in the past that's been lurking there. Speak that over them today in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. A couple things I want to share with you this morning. We've enjoyed this series and it's been great to talk about families Uh, excited at the opportunity. We are building some 
family connect groups coming out of this series. They're going to put a QR code on the screen up here. And if you'd like to jump into one of these groups, they're going to be exploring these topics for the next few weeks. You can scan that code there and it'll take you to our website where that is. Or you can just go to the website and sign up for one of these groups. They're going to be taking each of these messages and doing a deeper dive into these topics together as families to unpack these things and to see God uh, bring things to pass and to fix things and to change things in families. So we want you to be a part of that. Next week, we start a brand new series and it's called Wonder. And what we're going to do, we're going to rediscover the wonder of our God over the next five weeks. Do you ever just think we've lost a sense of the wonder of God? So over the next five weeks, we're going to discover who God really is. We're going to learn some theology. We're going to learn some things about who He is and how powerful He is. And all of it's from one psalm in the Old Testament, Psalm 139. So we want you to be reading this week Psalm 139 and to be soaking that up into your life. And we're going to jump in there really deep for the next five weeks. And we're going to learn about the wonder of our Lord. So we're excited about that. We want to pray right now. And as I bless you, we just want to pray for the Ukraine right now and believe God to rule and reign in that place right now. Father, we just come together right now. And God, I feel like we're standing hand in hand, arm in arm, spiritually with our brothers and our sisters in the Ukraine right now. And those precious churches, God, that's our family there. And God, we stand together in the Spirit with them, Father. God, I pray for peace. And I pray for a sudden end to this conflict. Lord, we see prophecy in Scripture of similar attacks. God, where you come in suddenly with your mighty hand and you stop it. And God, we're doing more than anybody can do in this world. We're praying right now today as a church, uniting together with our brothers and sisters' prayers. We unite with them to take authority over principalities and powers and evil demonic forces over the Ukraine and Russia right now, God, that are in conflict. And I pray that you would dispatch angels right now, God, to protect the innocent. Father, I just think of mothers carrying children right now, pregnant mothers. I'm thinking of moms and dads and kids that are fleeing for their lives. And God, I'm asking you right now, raise up a standard to protect them and to keep them and to keep the enemy away from them, God. Bring an end to this war and bring peace, Father, we pray. God, I pray for pastors and churches right now that you will embolden them to stand and to be a light in their community. God, I'm believing that what the enemy is meant to destroy will turn around and bring great good to the Ukraine. I'm asking for a revival of your presence, Jesus, in that nation, God. And we trust you and we stand together with them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, I bless you this morning to stand in the face of evil and watch God take what was meant for evil and turn it around for good in your life. I bless you with that. I commission you, go out of this place in the power of the Holy Spirit and take Jesus to your world. Love y'all so much. Thanks for being here today. We will see you next week. Be blessed, be safe. See you back again soon. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc. 
or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue The Upward Journey.